It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy. Original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Russ Fisher, Izzy Alkafos, and Akash Patel. Dynasty Trade Calculator Podcast back again and ready to help you make some trades and use the awesome Dynasty Trade Calculator to do so. And we are here I can say now, as always, because it's been, this is what, the third or fourth time, and that's always, right? It's long enough. Russ Fisher. Again, I use my full name, and I don't plan on using your full names. It's Russ. It's Akesh. It's Izzy. See, that sounds so much more personal. And, you know, like we fit in. Like, everyone listening is just part of the group. No more no more full names. No more full names. All right. But we are here. We are ready to talk. We are maybe at the end of the NFL madness. At least that's what it seems like. It's finally slowing down. So we are going to try and just put a little bow on top, wrap it up a little bit. But first, I mean, Izzy, are you awake? Are you ready to do this? Okay, you ready? You guys, you guys good? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tyreek Hill went and got himself traded to the Dolphins. So, Izzy, what do you, what? Tell me what to think. I have no idea what to think about Tyreek Hill going to that. You know, basically, you're putting a whole lot of faith into a guy that's never been a head coach before if you're acquiring Tyreek at the prices that he's being acquired at. So I think Mike McCarthy is going to be fine. Mike Daniel. Or uh, not McDaniel. Mike McDaniels. Mike McCarthy Mike probably McCarthy. won't be fine. Mike, Mike McDaniels <laughs> will be fine. Yeah, he will not be fine. Um, but when I look at that offense, I mean, it's all of it, this is predicated on Tua's progression as an NFL quarterback. And I don't think I've always been anti-Tua. Um, I just don't think he's that good. I think he's good at what he does, which is getting the ball out quickly and accurately, but if you're asking him to push the ball down the field, put pressure on the defense, um, I just don't think he's that type of quarterback. I've always said he's kind of like Chad Pennington that's a little more mobile, um, which isn't bad. I mean, he's a fine quarterback, but he's not going to, he's not a world beater, and he's not going to make your fantasy players into stars outside of Jalen Waddle because he can just get the ball out quick to him. I mean, just pepper him with targets. Um, I still think Tua is going to favor Waddle over Tyreek. And you think it's just because of the eight-out, really, distance from the line of scrimmage? I think it's be familiarity. I, I think uh, McDaniels is going to find a way, just like you know San Francisco did with a lot of their skill position players, to get the ball into their best players' hands. The problem is Tyreek's targets and just Tyreek didn't make his fantasy production out of taking five-yard screens or or five-yard bubbles or just these little quick hitters and taking them to the house. Like he didn't make most of his production. I don't say most of his production, but a lot of his production was based on those big hitting plays where he's, you know, Mahomes is finding him deep and he's just outpacing the defenders. I just, I'm sure he can do just fine taking a bubble screen, kind of a la Steve Smith back in the day, taking those bubble screens and housing them for 80 yards and so on and so forth. But it's significantly harder to do that. And he's going to have to jostle with those same targets with Jalen Waddle. So I think this is more of a impact on Tyreek Hill and less of an impact on Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle will still be similarly productive as he was last season. And I just, I think Tyreek Hill takes a massive hit moving to Miami. Akash, what do you got? I think this is, I'm, I'm with Izzy on um, not loving Tua. Um, he seems relatively mediocre, but I don't think that it's going to be horrible for Tyreek. I, I am a firm believer in the guys who are good, stay productive, and I think Tyreek is a top what I don't think anyone disagree with me that he's a top five receiver in the NFL. And so when you're a top five receiver in the NFL, the ball will find its way to you. You'll become a focus of your team's offense and you'll produce fantasy points for us. And so Tyreek has um, been productive his entire career. I don't think that that, I don't think that he's going to be second in targets to Jalen Waddle. I think it'll be pretty even split because Jalen Waddle's also pretty good, but I believe that they'll both be fine. I do agree with Izzy that um, Tyreek should take a hit going from um, Mahomes to Tua. I don't think that anyone's going to disagree with that. But it seems that everyone has been moving him down. And so I've been 
uh, interested in acquiring him if someone's lower on him in this new offense because I believe that he'll still be quite productive. Last year, he had 17 points per game. I think it's uh, we could see him get back to that level again. Um, before last year, he was around the 20-ish range. I don't know if that's uh, in his range of outcomes anymore, but certainly he can be as productive as he was last year. So you think production could possibly stay the same. So you, th- you think he has the ceiling of being wide receiver one through three uh, production per season wise, like next year. I won't rake him there, but it's certainly possible just because he is really good. You know, we don't, we, we can't say for certain what Tua is. Like we can say the median range of outcomes is that he's mediocre and he may be bad, but it's certainly within his range of outcomes to also be good because he has these good weapons and sort of a uh, rising tide raises all boats kind of situation where it's certainly possible that Tyreek has um, like prime Tyreek in his range of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I'm looking at uh, just yards per target, yards per reception for both of these players last year. And I'm surprised that, well, Tyreek's career has been significantly higher yards per your uh target and yards per reception mm-hmm. um but last year um it was down significantly from his career averages yeah but, so jalen waddle last year had 140 targets that equated to 7.3 yards per target mm-hmm. and he had 9.8 yards per reception right if you look at tyreek it's actually come down significantly from the previous four seasons but last season he only had well he had 159 targets that we we agree is going to come down right yeah um can we agree on that maybe well i mean that defense is good enough and you know you always want to assume they're going to get better and they're going to run okay assumption will say they're going to run a quicker offense just based on the coaches Mm -hmm. yep so the bucket might be bigger i guess is what i'm saying so maybe there's a chance he does get that yeah. When you add good playmakers, your offense starts to run more plays. You start to um, extend drives. You score more. And so I don't view it as, as much of a negative as as uh, just it's not a, like not a available targets. Um, and that can hurt them. We have to be realistic, though. Mm-hmm. So we agreed that production is going to come down from Mahomes, right? Probably. Well, we can all agree on that. I mean, you're going to only... I. See, it's funny. I'm the two a fan of the three of us. But I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> he's not Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really what's been asked, dude. While Waddle is awesome, it's very different having Travis Kelsey on the other side. Hill had the ability to do what he had because of everything that came along with being on the Chiefs. I think we do need to see a step forward from Tua, which I do 100% believe is possible because every year that he has been in the NFL, A, he's gotten a year away from that ridiculous hip injury, and two, they've given him more things to throw to. I mean, rookie year, I that was such a weird year with the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick and him thing that I'm writing it off. That was the weirdest rookie season I've ever seen for a quarterback. So last year when he was throwing to... Who was he throwing to at the end of the year? I honestly don't even remember because everyone was hurt. So, I mean, Mike Gusecki was the only guy still out there, and he still found a way to give me a bagel. But Well, I mean, didn't Jalen Waddle play just about every yeah. game? Besides Waddle. So he played, mm-hmm. he played, yeah, he played 16 games, so he missed and one game. And then Devontae Parker and... Parker was hurt for uh, most of the season. Remember when Preston Williams was yeah. going to be a thing, but they resigned him anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, like, there was just... yeah one thing and usually if there's one thing the defense finds a way to take them away and they still didn't find a way to take away waddle which my waddle love i'm going to do the best to like rein in because that's not really what we're talking about right now but i still think with Tua getting better Tua getting more weapons Tua getting honestly an offense he probably fits in better i know we don't associate Tua with the deep ball but that doesn't mean he can't do it he played with with deep ball receivers in college and again not everyone i'm not who i was in college let me just put that out there though Tua is a lot closer to those days than i am but i still think there's a chance that well to me i'm not with a i i don't think the ceiling of wide receiver one to three is there 
but I don't see why wide receiver five to eight isn't still the ceiling for him. Yeah. I don't know. He was last in the league or bottom five in the league in so many quarterback metrics last season. Um, and in 13 games, he had 388 attempts. I mean, that's, that's pathetic. So let's say that we, we all agree that's going to bump up. Mm-hmm. How much? I don't know. Here's the thing. We've, we've made this mistake before. If you've been doing the, you know, fantasy football dynasty a long time, assuming players, especially quarterbacks, attempts will significantly spike because of a receiver coming into town or a new coaching staff has always disappointed because yes, number, those numbers shift up and down a little bit, but I don't see a way where he goes from 388 attempts to like 600. I believe that's with like him leaving multiple games early, but I could be wrong. Yeah, but I, either way, it's, it's a really low number. Would you agree? 388 is a pretty low number in 13 games. Yeah, so he left uh, two games early, and in those games he had uh, 17. So, what, you have 370 divided by 11? That seems a lot better. Okay, so let's call it 33 attempts a game. Okay, roughly. Yeah. So we have to look at this and say, okay, well, how much more are they going to put on Tua's plate? Last season's coaching staff was very much Let's just get the ball out of Tua's hands, quick hitters, and do what he does best. There was no trust in Tua. They didn't really, in the biggest moments, they didn't trust Tua to lead the team. The two-minute drills, they would just kneel the ball and go to halftime. Like They were just protecting the team from Tua, basically. Now, that may be a bad coaching staff. So now we have a new coaching staff, Mike McDaniels, which kind of leads to the point, we are putting way too much faith into a guy that we've never seen be a head coach. Okay, that's the the one red flag. I do believe in Mike McDaniel's. I mean, San Francisco, that whole thing is awesome. If if most if you could think of a fantasy productive coaching staff, you want to be thinking of a team like the San Francisco 49ers because they just maximize all their mm-hmm. players. They make Jimmy Garoppolo seem relatively normal. They you know, are able to get Kittle involved, they're able to get Debo involved, they're able to get Ayuk involved, the running backs involved. So they're able to get four or five players on offense involved and relevant for fantasy purposes, which is atypical. So can Mike McDaniels do that? Well, if you can handpick an unknown coach, he'd probably be the one. But we're still just assuming that he can make Tua into something that he hasn't been, for one, and two, that he could do what San Francisco has done in Miami. Now, they got the pieces to basically do that because it looks like they're kind of mimicking what they're doing, those quick hitters, you know, creative play calling, all of that. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is we have to now figure out, does Tyreek's 159 come down or does Jalen Waddle's 140 come down? Because they're not doing 300 combined. Or we just get an insanely funneled offense. Yeah, because they're both good players. No, so. because we still have Gesicki. And we still have the running backs. Yeah, you could st- you could still have a funneled offense with Gesicki and those running backs. Gesicki's very mediocre. So sad. I loved him. He's not. He, he's a, no. He's a he's a good tight end. Hey, he's a good tight end, but that's a mediocre pass catcher. He's a mediocre pass catcher, and that equates to being an okay tight end in fantasy. But he's mediocre. Okay, so let's. I feel like I kind of you guys are no. Really, we're trying to skew what so you're saying to our side about, because we want it to work yes. for us. That's what we're doing. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But, but, it's, but it's not true. So we need to stop doing that for a second and think about this logically. So how are they, would we agree that, that Jimmy G and Tua are not that far off in terms of what they've done so far in their careers? That is painfully agreeable. Yeah. Okay. So... Now we have to look at it. Debo Samuel was an absolute legend last season. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, he was top th- three or four in fantasy? Yeah. Three. On 121 targets. Mm-hmm. Okay. He got a lot of rushing production. Was highly, I mean, his yards per reception, you know, was 18, uh, 18.2. Okay. So massive yards per reception. Yeah. Now, I don't know how Tua is going to be able to 
provide that sort of efficiency to Tyreek and Waddle, for one. If you look at the wide receiver two there, it was, it was Brandon Ayuk. He had 84 targets. And then if you look at George Kittle, who I think we can agree is the the wide receiver two. In, yeah, he's in the second role. He's in the second role. And sure, he's banged up. He misses games, so on and so forth. So we got to take it with a grain of salt. But he had 94 targets. So he missed three games. He had 94 targets. So when you have Gesicki, who let's say is the three, mm-hmm. you have Waddle as the two and Tyreek as the one. So I'm going to ask this again. Based on those numbers that I just gave you, those three numbers I just gave you, we agree that the Dolphins' defense is going to be pretty good. The team's going to be pretty good, similar to the 49ers, maybe not as good as the 49ers' defense, but pretty good. How does Tyreek and Jalen stay at 159 and 140 targets? I think Tyreek's comes down, but I don't. Uh, I think Waddles could be pretty similar, just because we typically see rookies uh, take a leap from their rookie year to their second year. And so, even if he takes a, even if his target share doesn't jump as much as it would have if Tyreek wasn't there, so to speak, because uh, you'd have to have a funneled offense for them both to get involved a lot, we could still see his targets remain uh, at a similar level, especially because when you, like I said at the beginning, when you add up a uh, playmaker like Tyreek, kind of rises um, all boats with that. Okay. Uh, okay. So we're we're going to we're not we're not going to Russ until we actually get this down because it's it's kind of fr- so Akash is going with the idea that the offense is going to funnel. Okay, but this is now we're, we're layering assumptions on top of assumptions on top of assumptions. What's the assumption? They're all going to happen. Well, the assumption is Mike McDaniel's is actually a legend. Okay, that's the, that's well, that's number one. Legendary that start though, man. Some Number two, <laughs> he did. But now, okay, so Mike McDaniels, let's say Mike McDaniels is a legend. Mm-hmm. This legend has never funneled an offense. So why are we assuming that he's going to funnel an offense? Do you remember when we said Kyle Shanahan used to funnel an offense? He brought in, Chase, they brought in Chase Edmonds, mm-hmm. paid them money, paid, paid multiple yeah. year contract. Yeah, it's really, really a one year deal for Chase Edmonds. Mm-hmm. He brought Mostert in. They have Miles Gaskin. So what do we notice there? A trend. Three running backs that they're going to use. Yeah. Now they have Tyreek Hill. They have Jalen Waddle. They have Mike Gesicki. They have a quarterback that isn't Pat Mahomes. He's more Jimmy Garoppolo. We have to look at this and say this is probably going to be more like the San Francisco 49ers offense than it's going to be a high-octane 600, 650 passing attempts type team with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle funneling, getting all the funnel targets to like to the tune of three hundred. It's like, is that possible? Maybe, maybe it's possible. The odds of that happening are extremely slim. So we have to be realistic, and this is kind of like people that are listening to the show. You have to be realistic with expectations. We can't just say, oh, Mike McDaniels is awesome. Tyreek Hill is awesome. Jalen Waddle's awesome. Well, they're going to get all the targets because they're awesome, and yeah. they're going to make it work. I, I just think it's, it's too, too many layered assumptions for all of that to work out. Mm-hmm. The most likely scenario is going to be something close to San Francisco, and now you have to look at it and say, who is going to be Debo Samuel in San Francisco? And then from there, try to figure out what the cost of acquisition is and if that's going to meet the production. And to be honest, it's so early that I can't confidently say that that person is going to be Tyreek Hill because I think Jalen Waddle is really good and there's a familiar, familiar, familiarity there with Tua and Jalen that I don't know if they and here's another thing that we're not even really looking at. Tyreek Hill has been on a perennial winner with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We can agree with that. Yeah. Even if he's not top three, top five, even if you don't like Pat Mahomes, you can agree that he's a top ten quarterback of all time. You are now taking Tyreek Hill, who's had Pat Mahomes as a top ten quarterback of all time, and you're placing him into an offense with Tua on a team that may not make the playoffs. How does he handle that? Well, the way I'm, I think we're just approaching this differently. The way I'm looking at it is that 
I just trust the talent. It's like um, that Ian Malcolm uh, catchphrase, or it's like life finds a way, the cream rises to the top. And so I'm trusting, like you said, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with trusting players who have shown themselves to be really good. And, you know, I don't look at head coaches that much, but like you said, and a head coach, we have an idea that is really good. Um, we don't need Jalen Waddle to be Debo Samuel. We don't need Terry Hill to be Debo Samuel. We can let Mike McDaniels figure it out because life finds a way, the talent finds a way. He will make Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle. He will use Tyreek like Tyreek because they're both good. They're both different from Debo Samuel. They can be good on their own. Like, they don't have to be Debo Samuel to be good. They can just be good uh, in the same way that they've been good over the course of their NFL careers. Tyreek Hill's been good for years. Waddle had a really good rookie year. And so I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with trusting that and trusting that a coach will maximize his players and get him in a position to succeed. All right. First of all, love the Jurassic Park quote from someone your age. It was beautiful and I loved it. Second, we're going to rein this in and I'm just going to ask a question. Dynasty Trade Calculator has Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. for the 103 as practically dead even. Are you still at this point willing to give up right now the 103 for Tyreek Hill? I mean, you're on, you know, we have to assume at this point, because this is super flex again, sorry, I didn't bring that up. Usually when we just start spitting out pick values, it's going to be 12 team super flex PPR. Um, so we're probably assuming at this point, again, if Malik Willis goes at least like top half of the, of the NFL draft, that he's going to be the super flex 101 or 102. And the other person is going to be Brees Hall at the 101 or 102. So yeah. we are saying, do you like Tyreek Hill above any of the wide receivers in this draft class right now? Yeah, I do. Give me a nod. Give me something, Izzy. The answer is yes. Um, but I'd much rather look at who's in the player range for him. Who's in the, who are the other wide receivers around him? Uh, in general or just the rookies coming in? Uh, no, in general. I mean, we're, we're at the top at least for me, right? I mean, okay, let's take away Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson, and C.D. Lamb. But, I mean, at exactly 103 in the calculator as well is Devontae Adams, another guy a little bit older on a new team for the first time, on a going to a much less talented quarterback. I was trying to find a way to sugarcoat that, but there really was nothing to do it. You know, their values are literally 0.1 apart. Uh, so what are you saying that Devontae Adams should be down? Like, no, I'm saying it's great that they're right next to each other because I think they're both insanely talented. They're both going to a new team with a less reliable quarterback that has shown less offensive goodness. <laughs> I mean, Der- Derek Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr was borderline MVP candidate. Once, so like, I mean, I think ago. Derek Carr's once. No, yeah, just 2016 was a long, long time ago. I mean, I think he's. I think he's good. I think Derek Carr is actually a good. Yeah, quarterback. he's good enough. Okay, so Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's just not good in fantasy because it doesn't produce touchdowns. But it's always been good on yardage basis. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah. It's a t- but Devontae Adams should change that. Right? Exactly. Another situation so, where rising tide. If you're asking me between the two players, who would I rather have? I'd rather have Devontae Adams, and and it's purely because I believe in Derek Carr, and from a funnel targets perspective. Unless the Raiders bring in significant talent or multiple players in the draft, even if they do, they shouldn't. I don't know how it's not just Waller and Adams, because Adams historically has been that guy. Yep, that gets just peppered with targets, and they have the familiarity yep. from college, similar to what we saw with Jalen Jalen Waddle and Tua. Jalen Waddle and Tua, they had that connection right out of the gates. I mean, it was evident that they had played together. Unless Jalen Waddle is that damn good, and any quarterback that would have stepped in would have done the same exact thing. But it feels like it was just a, I'm comfortable with this, and my Jalen Waddle's skill set fits in nicely with what Tyreek likes, or what Tua likes to do. And I feel the same way with Carr and Adams. They have the familiarity. There's really not that many targets to go, or not that many options to, to catch passes. I mean, they don't even use the running back in in Oakland to catch Pat. I mean, that might change this year, but I still think that Adams should see 140, 150 targets this season. So I'm kind of going after what seems to be more, more of a known. There's less variables I feel 
unknown variables with Devonte Adams and more unknown variables with Tyreek. Okay, so let's go a little bit younger. The next two guys on the rankings list for DTC are Chris Godwin and DK Metcalf, both within one point of both of the guys we just talked about. Those two guys versus Tyreek. I'm taking um, DK over Tyreek, and now I'm taking Tyreek over Godwin. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking DK over Tyreek. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd probably take Tyreek over Godwin. It's pretty close. I think they're pretty close to each other. Okay, so let's take a step back from two, I should say. Let's take a, back, a step back to where Tyreek just left. And we have poor Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster just sitting in Kansas City, eating barbecue, making TikToks, just doing what they do. And Demarcus Robinson leaves and Marquez Valdez-Scantling comes in. What do we think this means for the Kansas City offense? I know it's, at least I like to say, when you lose someone of the level of Tyreek Hill, your offense has to change. Nothing's walking in and replacing that. But do we think it matters that we have them bringing in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is just a deep guy? I mean, that's what he's been from the second he came into this league. Do you think this walks into a very similar offense where we're still worried about the wide receiver too? We're worried about Juju where Kelsey's going to still see, what, 360 targets, something around where he normally gets? You know, <laughs> how do you feel about what's going on in Kansas City right now? And at this point where we're just used to, oh, they're in the Kansas City offense, cool, I'll give them a try. Do you, do you think the dependability of the Miami, see, you got me just, do you think the dependability of hmm. the Kansas City offense goes down a little bit, or are you still saying Mahomes top 10 of all time, Kelsey's still great, I don't care that he's, what, 32, doesn't matter, look at that man, he's a, he's a statue, you know, so he's still going to be soaking up targets, he's still going to be pulling defenses, do you still think that this offense is an offense you'll put your faith in and go with Juju, and hey, maybe even pull MVS out there as your last flex spot, because he might have that ceiling of Mahomes throwing him a deep ball at least a few times a game. Maybe in uh, DFS, I'll consider MBS, but never in uh, yeah, anything. That last maybe one a shot, Dynasty yeah. best ball. <laughs> Dynasty best ball, maybe because he catches a long touchdown sometimes, but I don't. Uh, MVS is a it's a move that only the NFL will care about, not uh, our fancy teams. I had to try. I had to try. And and the, the, you you, you <laughs> shot, you shot. It's okay. Anything, Izzy? You're just staring off the, um, into the horizon? Staring off into the sunset. Yeah. If if they don't, I just, they're going to bring somebody into the draft. They have to. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't think MVS and Juju are enough um, for what they're trying to, they have title aspirations, and I don't think they go into this season without drafting a receiver in the first two rounds. Um. I think Kelsey's probably going to have the most targets he's ever had in a season, this season. Um, they clearly don't trust Clyde. Um, we'll get to Rojo in a little bit. So they're, they're concerned about Clyde. Um, he's not a guy that you can kind of ride to winning games. So that's out the window. You lost Tyreek Hill, who's 160 targets, gone. Just because they're gone, and I think Bakash has talked about this before, um, I think this is kind of one of his things, but just because Juju and MBS mm-hmm. are in there, they're not going to gobble up. They're not guaranteed to gobble up 160 targets. usually not how it works. I think he's mm-hmm. going to rely more on Old Faithful, and that's going to be Travis Kelsey. Even if they bring a rookie in, I still think Travis Kelsey is going to have just a monster season. Um, if I were to bet right now, I would bet, and I would think that if I was putting the odds on who's going to have the most tight end fantasy points, I would say Travis Kelsey's probably minus 275 in the sports books. Like, I'm pretty confident that if he stays healthy and a points per game basis, he's going to have the most fantasy points per game amongst tight ends. So I think this is, I think the Tyreek shift is a really big boon for, for Juju. Um, just because he's the most like, well, as of right now, he's going to be the recipient of a lot of targets. So 
Tyreek Hill was utilized a little bit differently from a yards per reception, yards per attempt perspective last season. His ADA went down. I think it was because of like the the two high safeties thing, how they're playing the offense differently. So the role changed. Yep. So 100% took actually right on that. But I think with Juju stepping in and kind of being, he's not going to be the same yak type of player. He's not going to be the same game changer, but I think he'll be the type of guy that you can rely on as a quarterback. We've seen him be reliable enough to get 110, 120 targets and get you, you know, his nine, 10 yards per reception and then have a, have a nice day. So I think volume is king for guys like that. He's going to be in the Jarvis Landry pocket. Um, so right. I, I think he will put up wide receiver with, with Tyree gone. I think Juju now solidifies himself as a mid to low end wide receiver two in fantasy. I just don't yeah. think MVS does enough. And I think there's enough passes to go around that Kelsey eats like crazy. And then a rookie receiver comes in and we're just not a hundred percent sure who that player is and how good they actually are. So as of right now, I would say that that's where Juju is. And MVS, I think you mentioned this, MVS and best ball is somebody I would target and try to try to get. I don't know if I trust MVS in just weekly fantasy, you know, where you're starting lineups. If I have to make a start sit decision, I'm not touching <laughs> MVS. Yeah. It's like we already, we already saw him have the opportunity to be the wide receiver too in in, in Green, Green Bay. Bay. For and, years, and he yeah. was so mediocre. And he, can't, and he, never, he never really did enough with it. Now, a change of scenery might help. They might find something. To, I, I don't know. I just, if you couldn't do it with Rodgers, I just don't know how you do it with Mahomes um, outside of a right. shift and somehow unlocking some sort of, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. So, no, nah, we don't, I don't think we have to worry about yes. MVS being secretly good, <laughs> biding his time all these yeah. years. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm out on MVS. Best ball, fine. Regular, no, thanks. So, it's Juju and Kelsey right now, and we'll see what they do in the draft. And if they don't get somebody in the draft, good lord. So we, we, what you're telling me is no yeah. fourth year breakout for Miko Hardman. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Oh, Akash yeah. mentioned this too. It's funny. Akash is yeah. like, you know, you, you're not going to try to go find a replacement for Tyreek Hill. Well, they did when he had that, you know, the battery charges, whatever it was, or domestic mm-hmm. stuff that he had, and they tried to bring in Miko as the, you know, the the small speed receiver, and yeah, to like try to clone a Tyreek and it was it just failed miserably hasn't worked so far yes let's replace one of the biggest outliers ever and try and find someone to do that as well but you brought him up before and I want to at least talk about it a little bit just because it's so funny to actually talk about Ronald Jones again on a fantasy football podcast the Chiefs sign Ronald Jones and I agree with the way you framed it more than anything else I don't think this has anything to do with Ronald Jones I think it concerns me for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like This shows that there's nothing that has happened. There's nothing that the Chiefs have done that lead anyone to believe that CEH has earned any more respect, any more work than he has had in the past. And we're talking about Ronald Jones like he's good. But still, it's just it's a body. It's a younger body. It's a different body that they brought in to take looks away from CEH. And I guess my question here is calculator has CEH around the 111 mark. I mean, I don't know if I see a world where you're spending a first for CEH. So let's drop it down to an early two. Ronald Jones at only two years older is worth a late second. Let's say you lost a bet and you had to go and trade for one of the Kansas City running backs right now. Would you send the 201 for CEH or the 208 for Ronald Jones, assuming that you maybe have to start them for a few times during the season? You have to look at it a little differently, too, though. That's You're looking at it from a, an acquisition perspective. But how many people that currently have CEH are willing to dump him for the 201? I think so many people would take the 201 right now at this point. So here's the thing, Russ. If you're saying 201, that means that the sell line would be the 201 and the buy line would be like 205, 206, mm-hmm. right? If you, if you have to pay the 201 to acquire CEH, that means that the true buy line is like 205, that you're comfortable, but you're having to go up into the 201. If you're saying 201 is the midpoint of the buy line, that means that you think the sell line is more like 109, 110, 
and the buy line is like 204, 205, or a little bit tighter than that in the range. My delta is not as wide as that. So then you're thinking that the buy sell line is pretty damn close to each other? Yeah. Um, I think, okay. I, I mean, I'm not putting a one in this conversation. Do you like, do you like Clyde? I like the idea of Clyde. I don't think. How much that, do you have any Clyde now? Personally, no. Okay. So you don't like I him. honestly so never had him because I greatly okay, disagree so you've with never had him. So one on one his rookie year. Okay. So we have to, right. So you've already admitted that you've never had him and you never really liked him. So for you to suggest that nobody would, nobody would, or everybody would sell him at the 201 or pe- a lot of people would just dump him at 201 would be like, yeah, it's probably true. A lot of people that are similar in thought to you, but the data suggests that there are a lot of people that are still holding out hope for Clyde and they're unwilling to move him for the 201, which is why his value has been kept up. You have to also look at this and say, the people that are holding Clyde, and this is the thing that I, I don't understand about the Dynasty community is we've watched Rojo do absolutely nothing mm-hmm. for the last four years, or is it now five years? It's four. It's four. So four years, he's done absolutely nothing. Completely mm-hmm. face-planted our expectations. Yeah. And even when Leonard Fournette misses games, he doesn't do anything. And now he goes to Kansas City, which we've seen Andy Reid's running backs, basically, if it's not a really, really good running back, they really, really don't do anything. So... Mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, this infatuation with Ronald Jones now is really odd to me. He's a zero in the pass game. He's not going to pass yeah. protect for Pat Mahomes. You're not going to put Ronald Jones out there. And, He's good at one thing, and that's rushing. And that's yeah. the least important thing for fantasy points. And it's the least thing. And it's the, honestly, from a Kansas City Chiefs perspective, I don't know how you tote Ronald Jones out there basically telling the the defense, hey, we're running the ball. That's the problem with Ronald Jones yeah. is that he can't pass protect, and he's not the best receiver. So horrible. What's yeah. he there for? So I look at this and just rushing. Yeah, just rushing. So like this whole Clyde thing, it's really odd to me that we've now said, "Oh, Ronald Jones is going to KC." Uh, that means Clyde sucks. It's like Clyde might suck, but it's not because they signed Ronald Jones. It's not going to make, <laughs> and it's also not going to make Ronald Jones a lot better. Right, and Kansas City is not going to turn Ronald Jones into a pass-blocking savant that is going to be on, down on third down. Now, who knows? I mean, Ronald Jones came into the league pretty young. He's still in his mid-20s. He could, you know, everybody develops a little differently. So, once again, right. I hate... Maybe he's also been biding <sighs> his time. Yeah, I, I hate absolutes. <laughs> I hate absolutes, so I'll, I'll, I, I try to stay away from the absolutes. You could say probably. You yes, say highly probably, likely or probably, say. yes. But... You have to look at this. Kansas City Chiefs had Brandon Knox, Brendan Knox and Clyde as the only two running backs on their roster. So they had to bring somebody in. And I would say mm-hmm. from the players that were available, I'd say Ronald Jones is a pretty good outcome for Clyde. Yeah. He could have got like a Melvin Gordon or something. That would have yeah. been worse for him. Right. So Ronald Jones is not a bad get for Clyde. And they got him pretty cheap, right? It's like you got a g- guy who's shown flashes and still young, and you got him pretty cheap. Um, even if he has his flaws, you, you got him cheap, and he's a good rusher at times. And so Chiefs bringing him in makes sense from that perspective too. And we also have to ask one big question. Is Daryl Williams better than Ronald Jones? No, Daryl Williams is really bad. Seems like he might be a better pass catcher for what the, the Chiefs think. Yes. But he's also really bad at everything else, so. Right. So I think for Russ hit the nail on the head. For what the Chiefs like to do, I feel like Daryl Williams is a better running back than Ronald Jones. Now, if the Chiefs want to, without Tyreek, they want to shift into more running the ball. The problem with Ronald Jones, once again, is that he is such a a zero in the pass game that All right. you show your hand every time he's on the field. Yeah, exactly. So it's also why I don't want to invest him because the ceiling is so low without that. And the floor, like we've seen last year, is an absolute zero for Ronald Jones, which is why, granted, he is pretty cheap, but he's still someone that I'm probably going to look to move off of. Yeah. So going back, Russ, so go ahead. You're, you're asking like the 201. Would we buy for the 201? So to go back to answering your question, 
Um, I just wanted to make sure that we laid this out to think about it realistically. So if you think the line is 201, that's fine. I think it's closer to the, you know, 111, 112 line, but go ahead. So 201, you're asking us, and I didn't catch the exact no, it was, question that you're asking. Well, you really just answered it by pretty much just pooping all over Ronald Jones without me asking you to do it. <laughs> uh, whether you would spend a little less to go get the cheaper running back to go get Ronald Jones instead of spending up to Clyde edwards Lair. But what it seems like is if Darrell Williams, I believe he was a free agent. Did he? Is, if, I don't know if he resigned or not, but if he does come back, He's a free does agent, the yeah. answer, is the answer just go get Darrell Williams? No. Um, the answer is to probably get nobody. Yeah, but that's right. Fun. That's, that's uh, not, there's nothing we could do with that. You got a good, a, a okay pass catcher, and then who's a bad rusher, and then you have a good rusher who's a bad pass catcher, and then you have Edwards Alaire who's in the middle in both and messy. But I don't think they're gonna resign him because they just brought in Rojo. Probably let him walk. Pick a running back late for cheap. Than just have a rookie rookie yeah. running back is probably what I'll end up playing at. So let me ask you, Russ, what what draft pick? And I'll ask Akash too. What draft pick do you start ac- being comfortable acquiring, Clyde? Okay, so it's a very lyric question with me because I hate running backs. Uh, and no, me too. Especially at this time, Ceh, who his price hasn't fallen enough for me to even really think about it especially if it's still around that early second because at least with an early second i want some sort of upside that i don't think ceh gives us at, anymore on the chiefs like let that man go somewhere else and see what mm-hmm. he can do because i i did believe in the player coming in clearly the landing spot insanely overhyped him but <laughs> i would need to be closer after the nfl draft when i have a better idea of what rookie drafts might look like Find me where that second tier of wide receiver run ends in that middle, beginning middle of the second round. And after that last pick of that tier, I would give for CEH. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably around what you said before, around that 204, 205 area. But I, that's not going to get it done. Right. If you're like right here and we don't know uh, draft capital, we don't know what ADP looks like, that's about where I am too. Just because of uh, the uncertainty. If um, a bunch of guys that I like get drafted highly and uh, that moves them up my board because they're not like day three guys that I don't care about, then maybe that line moves even further down. But I'm around the same point as you, Russ. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple of trades that have gone through. And let's see, here is Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the 23, someone's 23 draft except for their first. So second, third, fourth, and fifth. But does compiling that actually matter? Mm -hmm. Uh, 202 and a 23 second for CEH and Calvin Ridley. That's not bad. Oh, hey, that was a trade-off. Okay. Um, CEH for Juju. CEH, 22 second and third. Juju. Man, he really seems to be... Here's a question. Who would you rather have, CEH or Juju? Juju. We also, also just said okay. We just agreed that we're wide receiver guys anyway. That's true. Uh, okay, CEH for, oh, this is a bigger league, so let's just say CEH for pick 14 and the 23 third. Like, if I can give a t- a, the 204 and the 23 third just to get it done. 202. That's 202. Yeah. What did I say? That's what I meant to say. 204. Oh, yeah, 202. Yeah, two, yeah. I, words. Words are hard, guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> okay. Um, so what about, let's ask the same question for Ronald Jones. What would you guys do for Ronald Jones? Like, what would you give up to acquire Ronald Jones? Nothing. And like yeah. a couple threes? I'll, I'll give you two uh, to three thirds if that'll make you happy. If I, if I really am set on acquiring a running back to fill out my depth in March, which I wouldn't do, I would like pick a really bad receiver that I have or like a Van Jefferson or something and be like, take him. And give me running back depth if I really wanted to. Yeah. And then, like, the picks are around the same range of like a late two or a couple threes or something. It's not, I'm not interested in acquiring. I liked him before and it was dumb of me, but the range of outcomes for him is like he's, he's going to have like 13 points per game at pretty much his ceiling, maybe more if he scores a bunch of touchdowns. And the floor is horrible because, you know, if he's bad again, and then the one-year contract expires, and then he's just bad. I don't know. Has no value. 
it's not worth acquiring to me. So what happens if they don't bring somebody in? Complete split of everything. I mean, you have to just to have bodies. I don't mm-hmm. think they have enough healthy running backs that they feel good putting on the field. So I feel like you're probably looking at oh, they'll bring they'll bring like a a, a body in for sure. Like worst case scenarios. Yeah. Like a day three pick for sure, you know, some uh, that kind of level play, or even if it's not through the draft, you know, they're going to bring it to bodies. Right. But like, just pretend they game. just go with these two guys, they just might not run the ball ever. <laughs> I mean, you'll probably have like <laughs> 10 to that. 15 runs a game and maybe four or five total targets out of the backfield. I mean, out of one running back, I don't feel great about that. Yeah. Well, it's really funny. I mean, looking at this Kansas City Chiefs offense, I mean, Nobody really likes the running backs. Nobody really likes mm-hmm. the receivers. We like we love the quarterback, right? And we love the tight and end. It's like, but the the ball has to go somewhere. But isn't that how we felt about the Packers for the past since what twenty seventeen when Devontae Adams remembered that he was good at football? I mean, it's been Rodgers, it's been Devontae <laughs> Adams, and no one else. And we've been completely oh, running backs though. The running backs they've have had been studs. better running backs than Rojo and CEA. Okay, that's not fair because that's not really a bar <laughs> that you know. That that's a bar my my six year old who can't really jump off the grounds can step over. I mean that that's that's pretty easy, but still it's not. Yeah, man, I love Darren Jones, so I'm not going to say anything that can reflect negatively on the wonderful football player that is Aaron Jones. But yeah, even still, like there's it's been enough of. Hey, man, we used it before. Let's use it again. It's been enough of a funnel offense that it should have been insanely obvious where you have four off, four defensive linemen. One linebacker stand in the middle, and then wait. Well, that's four, five. The other six guys just go stand right next to Devontae Adams. Like that's what the defense should have been against Green Bay. And Devontae Adams was still wide receiver one over and over again. So I and Rogers top three quarterback over and over and over again. So man, I'm I'm not that concerned mm-hmm. about that part of it. I'm not concerned about Mahomes, Kelsey, and on. I mean, I we're not going to start talking about Juju again at this point because. From not, what you can't tell from the 50 minutes we've been talking about pretty much the Chiefs, this is not a Chiefs podcast. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried about it. But, again, that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I'm going to pretend that means I have any faith in the running backs. Yeah. But we are going to move on because, like I said, this is not a Chiefs podcast. Now that the dust has settled on at least this first massive amount of free agency moves, who out there are you targeting? It doesn't, they don't even have to have anything to do with the free agency moves, like maybe we forgot about that guy, or maybe this guy hasn't signed yet. Who out there in the NFL are you looking to trade for right now? Um, just a bunch of receivers, I guess. Like Adam Thielen, Corey Davis, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones. Can, can we can we talk a little bit about whys for some of these guys? Like, oh, so your sure, top yeah. your top two or three, and just give us the whys. Like, so why are we? Yeah. What are we paying for him and why? Um, like Antonio Brown, that's a quick one just because the value is so cheap and I'll pay a third for him. If he ever comes back, it's instant value gains if I want value gains and it's elite production if I want elite production. Is there a coach crazier than Bruce Arians that would be willing to take him back at this point? Because we know Bruce Arians. I don't know. You know, okay, let's just throw DGAF. And, you know, and he would be willing to do whatever it was to win. Right. Like, he pretty much said that. He's like, look, yeah, Antonio did a lot of things that were not only mm-hmm. against the NFL rules, but kind of illegal. But if he gives yeah. us a chance to win and he's not suspended, he's playing. I mean, that that says it all. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's another NFL coach out there that's willing to just be like, yeah, no, whatever, man. I know that you just threw your shirt off and danced through the end zone on your way into the locker room. But no, come on, man. Let's, let's catch some ball. Yeah, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of these coaches want to win, I think, as we get into the season. And uh, maybe if someone's desperate for wide receiver play, then we could see him get signed somewhere. And if he gets a chance, like what we saw on the field from him last, it wasn't like, say, Julio Jones, where it's like clinging to the past. What we saw from him when he played was elite production because he's still good. And so if I'm looking, I'm just looking at roster players I think are good. If something breaks right for him, it's instant value games you can't have them any easier than that it's it's a black and white value games where everyone's going to be bumping them up there's no easier um um advantage than that yeah just i just really wanted to point out that i think it's amazing that there was a head coach that actually said what the rest of the head coaches were thinking because you know we're all about coaching mm-hmm. we're all about 
for the good of the game, for the good of the shield. Uh, it w- it wasn't me. It was my teammates. We all did it. He's like, no, man, I don't care. We, we want to win. To win. Yeah, there the you game. go, Herm. Okay, so you listed a couple of other wide receivers, and that's not shocking coming from someone like you. Izzy, who do you have on the top of your go-get list right now? Yeah, my guy is probably Donovan Peoples-Jones, only because you don't have to pay anything more than a you, know, you have to give up a third for him. And if he could play like the Will Fuller role for Deshaun Watson, kind of like where the the upside is there. And he's flashed. Like DPJ is flashed. Um, you know, in training camp last year, they said that he was actually one of the better performing players, not just receivers, better performing players in training camp. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of your three wide receivers. I think historically, you know, that's kind of been a thing. It gone away more recently because of the just the increase in volume and players just sped up in terms of progression. But he's going to be a 23-year-old year three player. So he came into the league relatively young. Um, and I just like the upside. And Amari Cooper, to me, is a he's, – he's not a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver two. So he's not a guy that's going to – he shouldn't be a guy that's going to gobble up 150, 160 targets. He's probably more he's of a player a that I think is like the one. He's a 21% target kind of guy. It's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, what a, okay, not elite. Right. So I think there is room for Peoples Jones as long as well, he's got to make room Browns, for himself. What's that? The like the players got to earn the targets. Last year, what we saw from DPJ when he he saw this kind of opportunity, like there was he was going yeah. out there on the majority of wide receiver sets, and he didn't do anything. But Baker, but Baker's ass, Baker's ass, right? We agree with that. So what Peoples Jones is best at, Baker yeah. clearly wasn't very good at. Right, what we is saw Donald what Jones best at running down the field and not drawing targets. Well, just well, just stretching the field. Yeah. Well, look, look at OBJ. I mean, Baker did absolutely nothing with OBJ for two years. And OBJ is at least a decent receiver. He may not be a great receiver anymore, but he's a. We saw with the Rams, like he's still a capable receiver. Like Stafford turned him into an an asset. Baker turned OBJ into a liability. So you're trying yeah. to tell me if Baker can't turn. D- uh, OBJ into an asset? He's going to turn Donovan Peoples-Jones in year two into an asset? I mean, I don't no. know if Donovan Peoples-Jones is very good. Uh, hey, five-star recruit. Michigan ruins a lot of wide receivers. You just said you just said you give up a third for Antonio Brown, who's yeah. got no trade market anymore, because even if he comes back, people are just waiting for him to get fucking <laughs> kicked to the curb again, right? So it's like, okay. I get it for the production. I get yeah. Antonio Brown for the production, right? But we don't even know if he's going to play again. Right, mm-hmm. so we're talking about thirds here, where this is a complete dart throw. Which, so I agree. Like, if you want to give a dart throw for Antonio Brown, sure. It, with Donovan Peoples Jones, I'm not telling you to give up a second. You give up a third, which is a dart throw, anyways, especially in this class. And you're getting mm-hmm. a player that tethered to Deshaun Watson and have being across from Mari Cooper, depending on what they do in the draft, could essentially play the Will Fuller role. I don't think. He, I don't know if he goes into the years their wide receiver two though. I don't. Well, who is the wide receiver two there now? I don't know. I saw Jarvis was uh, considering resigning, and then Will Fuller was busy. Oh, and they could easily draft someone with a later pick. They gave up their first and second. Right. So know. they ha- so they ha- now they're having to draft. So if you think Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be worse than a day three receiver, then he is a day three receiver. Cl- well, no, but what we've seen out of Donovan Peoples Jones is enough to say, okay, there is some potential there, and he is going to be he- maybe. With with Donovan is it's not like he hasn't played, so he's garnered enough success in practice and off season work to be on the field over a guy like Higgins who isn't great, but mm-hmm. he's a journeyman type receiver. I almost freaked out for a second because you just said Higgins isn't great, and I was like, "You want to start? F- oh, right, wrong Higgins, wrong <laughs> oh, Higgins." Yeah. No, I'm talking about <laughs> Hollywood Higgins. <laughs> Hollywood Higgins. So, like, Donovan Peoples Jones is good enough to see the field over a journeyman type player. So, he's he's got, I'm basically looking at this and saying, I got a year three receiver being tied to Deshaun Watson, who I think is a top five quarterback in the league. And he was getting playing time over usable receivers in the NFL. I just think that there's a recipe there for a third round pick to where he can pop. 
And yeah. we know that when you have, and you don't have to necessarily be a, a fan of Donovan Peoples-Jones, but you have to be a fan of the potential of that offense with Deshaun Watson there. You like and the quarterback, if they, right? I love the quarterback. And, and so I it don't just think... goes back to what you said at the beginning that you weren't going to do with like uh, Miko Hardman or like MVS, where you're just chasing the second option for what you think is going to be a good offense. No, no, but that's, we've seen with Rodgers, he doesn't, we've chased the wide receiver too with with Rodgers there are offenses Rodgers has supported two wide receivers when he had two good two good when we had two good ones he had MVS as the second wide receiver he didn't have two good wide MVS isn't very good but I I look at it and say there are offenses out there that I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has potential to be good I think we can't look at what he did with Baker Mayfield and bury him because of it he's his um I mean as far as day three picks go He's been uh, fine. It's like some day three picks just wash out of the league. Cornell Powell, Des Fitzpatrick, like this, they uh, are nothing. At least Donovan Peoples Jones has been on the field. But as far as, uh, but that's as far as it goes in terms of how good he is because he's been perfectly mediocre um, with Baker. Right, but, but the quarterback what, doesn't matter because statistically he's been bad regardless. He hasn't earned targets. Well, the quarterback His PFF matter, receiving gosh. grades bad. Yards per out run is pretty bad. And that's just, tied to quarterback play. Right, but he still right. isn't drawing targets. Like He's not in any way, shape, or form dominating his offense or doing much of anything in his offense. You're arguing over how good is he, uh, you know, what is he going to do? Is he going to be the wide receiver too there? Does it matter at spending a mid-third to go get a guy? Early third? Hell, late second to go get someone like DPJ? I don't think it's, I think the dart throws I you're like getting the, at the end of the second, beginning mm-hmm. of the third I'm with Izzy on this one. At that price, I will go get DPJ. I will go get a guy who, when Odell first got injured at the beginning of last year, we saw him have a good couple of games. We saw him, if anything, make a good couple of plays to where it looks like he is the best deep option on the team. He is at least more a more complete player than Hollywood Higgins. He is, assuming they don't bring in someone worthwhile i think he can walk into that next wide receiver role does that matter is going to be the question are they still going to run the ball as much as they do i don't think you can after bringing in deshaun watson but I agree with that. yeah so I, i'm all for spending that late late pick and going to get someone who man again third year in the league five-star recruit coming out of high school and just went to a college that isn't I know this is not always the real narrative, but I fully buy into this. Not meant, not known for putting out wide receivers because, man, I love my Clemson wide receivers. I will never trust a USC quarterback. I mean, there's, you know, Wisconsin running backs are, you know, usually pretty good. You know, it's, it's just, I fall into that mostly because A, I don't watch college. B, I love narratives. It just makes my life easier. Whether it's right or wrong, <laughs> that's not always important. Yeah. Um, my list of guys is all around the same area. You know, we were talking about CEH and it got me thinking about, Guys valued around him that I'd rather have. And here, like li- li- this list, well, I'm going to put Mike Williams on the list just because hashtag Gibbs a bit, team club is a big wide receiver, even though I know uh, he's not the answer. I get it. But James Conner, who you still don't have to pay that much for, and right now has a heck of a role on the Cardinals. I love Michael Carter. Mm-hmm. I'm just crossing my fingers they don't draft anyone. And I don't think you have to pay more than that early mid second area because. I can easily say, come on, man, they're bringing in another running back and hopefully just like put that little devil on someone's shoulder. Uh, I, I will talk to no ends about Allen Robinson. I don't care that he's like 29. I don't care that he's changing teams. Give me Allen Robinson on the Rams. Uh, man, Michael Thomas, why not take a shot on Michael Thomas? Hell yeah. Love Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Gallup, for some reason, people don't seem to realize that he's still alive, still good. The Dallas offense is still good, and Mari Cooper's gone. I love Christian Kirk and Jacksonville. Let me list, and then you could talk. Um, I don't know how I feel about Chase Edmonds. And then my last guy on this list, Miles Sanders, is still young. And towards the end of the season, when the Eagles became that run-first offense, he walked into the Nick Chubb role version of the of the Browns offense and did pretty well with it. Again, he's not Nick Chubb, so and their offensive the Eagles offensive line is not the Browns offensive line, so it's not the same thing. 
But if you can have a base of like 80, 90 yards with the room to move up to more yards, touchdowns, and a couple of receptions at the price that you have to pay to go get Miles Sanders, where everyone, I know I say everyone, and I'm in, like, this is like me talking to my eight year olds, where I say, well, not everyone. So many people are just done with Miles Sanders because he never lived up to, you know, mini Saquon kind of what was not his fault of being brought in as just because he played behind Saquon in college that I think that he is another great person to go out and get right now. And all of that with a huge asterisk of, man, maybe just don't get running backs right now. Yeah. I, I love Miles Sanders. He was my favorite running back in that class. But if you don't like Clyde, you shouldn't like Miles Sanders because they're the basically picture. the same player. Yeah. Like they've been the same play. If you look at the first two years of Clyde and the first two years of Miles Sanders, it's basically the same thing. And you got to assume that they're probably pretty similar to each other. And it may be a coaching staff thing. I don't know with Miles Sanders, but we saw him with multiple coaching staffs now, and it's the same thing. Yeah. So, I, but we're also talking the price difference. I, and this is from uh, a guy that loved Miles Sanders. So, like, I loved Miles Sanders, and I didn't like Clyde, and they're the same player. Yeah, it's a guy utilization like, wise. Miles Sanders saw like a career uh, low and like share of um, rushing opportunities on his team, and his receiving work has gone down every year. The only reason. Like statistically, the only thing that he still has is yards per carry, and it's just like, I'm not a big fan of yards per carry as you know as a reason to like the guy. It's like he's efficient, but he's not much more than that. He's yeah. not a guy that uh has been commanding a lot of volume. His volume has gone down, which is which is really weird. You know, it's kind of like Clyde, where Clyde, from a yards per carry perspective, I think is actually pretty okay. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it recently, but his efficiency numbers actually aren't bad. He just not really utilized all that much. And same okay. thing with Miles Sanders. Like his efficiency numbers look fine. If you like put his numbers down on paper, you'd be like, oh, that's a, probably a decent running back. And he's just not yeah. utilized as such. But he's you know, utilized, the, the, sorry. efficiency is just like a big, uh, it, it's, it stems from the scheme and the offensive line. There's so much more that goes into efficiency than just sure. running back. Talent. But I also think this helps my argument. Sure. If you think CEH and Miles Sanders are pretty much the same thing, why spend the 111 when you could spend the 202? I mean, that's at least what the, the calculators. I think I, I'm saying why spend either on either. But man, that's obviously yeah, always I, the question when we're talking about players that aren't great. But that's not, that doesn't help anybody. You know, if there is someone out yeah. there who at least believes in one of them, hearing the conversation of maybe you do have to spend, again, going straight with the calculator just taking away my bias because I will always say, well, am I going to spend that on a running back? And but like, let's pretend you do have to pay the 111 for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If you think he is the same as CEH, I'm going to drop back four spots and go spend that on Miles Sanders. Yeah, I think the, the difference, though, is that with Clyde, there's still there is some semblance of maybe with Miles, the maybe is gone. So Clyde still has the maybe, and Clyde has the the perceived better opportunity. It may not be the better opportunity, but it's perceived as such. So that's what's driven his price up. Yeah, but we're not talking about for value sake. We're talking about for production sake at this point. Because I don't think you're grabbing mm-hmm. either of yeah. these guys thinking, oh man, I'm going to flip them for Lego first once the season starts. That's not going to happen. You know, regardless of what happens for the rest of the offseason. Well, kind of. Production-wise, they have overlapping range of outcomes now, which is the cheaper one. That's what yeah. you so, so, you know, so, no, no, you guys are looking at it the wrong way. All so, right. look at it this way. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders, week one, goes out and has 100 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. okay. Now, Clyde goes out and has 100 yards and two touchdowns. Whose value spiked more? Honestly, I don't think either do. Clyde. Clyde. The the answer is Clyde. Yeah. Because now it's oh shit. He made it. People like to cling to stuff. Yeah, he made it. And there's but like, Ru- Russ did we, frame we, it as a uh, production, not value gains for sure. Man, I see I still I, I still think we are so burned and we are so just done. Even it's only been two years. I know it's been faster than normal. I get it. They they wanna they wanna have the hope. I yeah. But I I wouldn't cling. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't. Um, I don't go into acquiring a player with the like assuming I'll be able to trade them later for more if they spike. Oh, I totally. I, I'm not going to assume people will want to trade for them later. And so it's like, what do I think 
I would actually want for this player. Right now, it's like not not with the intent of flipping it later, because there's always there always has to be someone on the other side to buy it. If he goes for that hundred yards and two touchdowns, you might play in a league where everyone's like, yeah, it's one game. I'm not going to buy the drink that Kool Aid, and so then you're left holding the bag if he comes back down to earth. Okay, so we need to do our market research to see if people do want to listen to two-hour episodes of us just yelling at each other. Since we haven't done it yet, we're going to wrap this one up because we're going a little longer than we have in the past. So I'm not even going to give you guys parting shots because it's just going to leave us arguing more. And so we are just going to say goodbye for Russ, for Akash, for (laughs) Izzy. We are at Dynasty Outhouse at YZR underscore fantasy at DTC underscore Izzy E. And this is the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast. Go visit DynastyTradeCalculator.com and go use the awesome calculator to help you make those trades or tag at FF Dynasty Trades in your trade polls. We will retweet. We will sometimes answer. And it depends how often I can get on Twitter these days because, man, what's with work asking me to work? I don't I don't appreciate that. But this has been another show. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.